0: Glad you're with
1: us as we kick off the final hour of this Wednesday edition. OutKick 360 continues with some news out of Gainesville. Jalen Rashada, or Jaden Rashada, excuse me. He has requested his release from his national letter of intent from Florida. That coming from on three. And this begins the saga of what they're going to do at quarterback. I know they've got some transfers and they've. It, this was the guy. And now he's wanting out, and it's over some NIL issues or some promises, and who knows where it actually ends up. But it's certainly a storyline to follow. I mean, Graham Mertz
2: is their option now at quarterback, their best option. That's not great. No. Things are not going well for Billy Napier so far at Florida, not not after this season, certainly not after this news. This is a big blow to the Gators. You land a five-star quarterback, everything seems like it's okay with your program. And then that five-star quarterback gets to campus, and then he leaves because reportedly he was maybe promised something that he's not getting. Um, I've I've seen different things about a check being bounced to him from a collective at Florida. Word spreads quickly. This is an enormous story. Mm -hmm. It's only going to get bigger, and it's going to look
1: terrible for the perception of Florida football with recruits. Yeah, and he he was he held a call earlier today with Scott Strickland. Now the NCAA will have to grant that release from the National Letter of Intent. He's already flipped, and it shocked a lot of people, whenever he flipped from Miami to Florida. And now he's trying to get out and you know, for, for different reasons. Billy Napier... Does
2: he just go to Miami again and, and take whatever know. John I mean, Ruiz promised him? But,
1: but think about the... I mean, he is about to be blitzed with all kinds of NIL now, you know, money. Trying to get him to
3: show oh, back for up. Sure. He,
1: the I mean, he, SEC teams. Just think about the the quarterback play or the um, the the options just in the state of Florida alone. I mean, I guess he could go back to Miami, but if you're Miami, you've already tried to plan for your replacement of Rashada, right? Because he left. You know, I would love for one. Maybe this is asking too
2: much. I'd love for one coach of a program, and maybe it's Mario Cristobal, I don't know, to just say, you know what, GTFO, to, to a guy that's a talent, I, you're not going to decommit from here well, and dabble, go to one of our rivals in state and then come back and get more money from us and our collective. Like, Leave. <laughs> We're fine. We'll we'll do better with guys that want to be here. This sounds rah-rah, and Dabo Sweeney's definitely a rah-rah type guy. And he has been able to pull it off where he doesn't allow committed guys to to visit other places once they commit. But I'd love for one coach to stand on principle or on something and just say, no, I don't care how talented you are and that you're a quarterback, a huge position, obviously. We're not going to let you come back. See ya. You chose Florida. The check bounced. Sorry. Go milk someone else for NIL money before you do anything.
1: I'd love for one coach and one program to stand up and do but that. But the problem is literally every player now can be a one-year-and-done, out-the-door scenario. So it's hard to just use him as one example because your current quarterback could do that after the season. Wherever he ends up, he can leave. That's the other downfall of this. Yeah, he could stop playing
2: midway through the season and
1: immediately get in the
2: transfer portal after the season. And just decide, I'm, I'm not doing anything here.
1: Uh, the NFL releasing the numbers for the national broadcasts, 185 well, all broadcasts combined, 185-plus million watched NFL games in 2022. Uh, 16.7 million was the average viewer per NFL game. And 88 NFL games have ranked among the top 100 shows on TV. That continues to rise. It was, it, like all the, but, it was all but, like, 20. Now it's all but 12. It is the
2: live television, I mean, driver. I, I don't know. There's nothing close to it in America right now, with live television in general, but sports are still the thing you watch yes. live. It, it's it. I mean, even awardship
1: show. DVR proof.
2: Did anyone watch the Golden Globes last night? I didn't. I forgot that it was on. No, we were watching basketball. It's also on yeah. a Tuesday night, which it's normally on Sunday night. I mean, it's just... Yeah. Why was that? People don't care. I, I don't. I don't know the rationale behind it. I'm thinking about writing a piece for OutKick about what the Oscars should do, okay, um, based on Golden Globe winners and the direction they went to maybe, you know, put some actual interest back in these very self. Reverential uh, award shows where they just you know promote and celebrate themselves in Hollywood. Um, I might write something about that.
1: I think the 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 key or the the missing ingredient is just Ricky Gervais. Just let him go out there and roast people.
2: Or let Chris Rock get slapped again by someone. Fair else. Enough, yeah. you know, who else That's wants good. to
1: slap? Is does the Rock
2: have some vendetta against the, <laughs> he's never going to nominated for an Oscar? Stone Cold comes out. But someone can come up, Yeah, Stone Cold Stunner. Any type of violence on on stage, <laughs> the Oscars could could help ratings for it. Uh, just let's get back to the let's get back to the goal of entertaining, entertaining, inspiring. That that is what movies, that's what cinema Hutton does at its best. It entertains, it inspires. Certainly, it's thought provoking also. But that's what movies are supposed to do. Television shows, everything else. If we get back more in line with that, and I may write more on it, then I think it will drive ratings
1: for these different events also. Carlos Correa reportedly was offered like $180 million over five years to stay in Houston at the time. He ends up signing a six-year, $200 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. And, yeah, it's great. I mean, $200 million, right? It's guaranteed. But going back to the Twins. We go, yeah, right. He's going back. They, they re-sign him after deals fell through with the Giants and the Mets. But he ends up making per year about a million point. Three, I believe, was the number. One point and some change. Uh, More per annual year than what he would have if he had just re-signed with Houston. And my thing is, if you're Minnesota and you just had the the physical, pending a physical, he would sign for these mega contracts, Giants and Mets. How do you bring him back with that uncertainty when the other teams that were willing to outbid you put him through the ringer and said, you know what? As a matter of fact, he's not going to to work out for us because he's not passing this physical with us. Not one, but two.
2: I didn't expect, I know that's, I mean, look, it's a pay cut based on the contract he agreed to with the Mets. It's an insane amount of money. So I, I was expecting a huge cut because of the medicals, right? I was expecting less than that six-year, $200 million figure. was
1: probably just going I, back to their initial offer. I
2: understand bringing him back if you feel like, hey, we know more about this, and while there is some uncertainty, we think he's going to be fine and still be a really good player for us and, and be very productive and at a spot that we need him to be. I don't pay that much money, though. I'm, a, I'm all for bringing him back and signing him to a deal, even though doctors didn't pass him through the physical – of other places, but I don't know that I'd bring him back for that much.
1: It's concerning to me, uh, if if you're a Twins fan, because you have uh, Mets owner Steve Cohen, who was saying he was the final piece of their puzzle for, I mean, a a payroll that is just insane. And even that organization said, you know what? He's not passing his physical. He's not going to be able to be that guy for us. After the owner said he was the final piece. And now he's back and you've got the Twins spending this. So you got to be thrilled, though. He's out of the division.
2: Yeah, and I just thought, well, I mean, it's just, I, with all the guys in the Mets, I don't know that it really matters all that much. But, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, one, it's one more big bat in the lineup to worry about for the Mets. I just didn't expect him to get paid this much. I thought it'd be more cut yeah, for So it
1: was 13, 13 years, $350 million with the Giants. Then Cohen came in with a 12-year, $315 million deal. Now it's six for 200 So it works out great for him. He's still getting more
2: a, per year. Yeah. To stay with the Vikings, the Vikings, the, the <laughs> yeah. twins yeah. talking so much football, but it's um it's still yeah, it's just less years. You're not getting the with these guaranteed contracts, you're not getting that level of impact with security
1: throughout. Is there an is there another team in the NL East that has bolstered themselves to compete with Philly, New York, and Atlanta? No. So it is a nationals are in that, full
2: rebuild mode. Uh, the Marlins seemingly are always in constant rebuild mode. Yeah. Just two young teams sort of resetting. No, it's it's those three teams. And the and Braves the, have know. not had nearly the commitment financially this offseason as the Mets and the Phillies. The but Braves they, are more of just a let's run it back.
1: Yeah. With great talent they have. Yeah, under we great came all contracts. the way back
2: and won the division this last year and won it the year before and what you know, they they're on yeah. a bit of a roll where they feel like We got enough big-time talent locked up for a while in team-controlled contracts that we don't need to spend too much in the offseason. When's the last
1: time we've been – we need to go to a Braves game. I haven't been in years.
2: I've been to one in the new ballpark total. I think I've been in – Believe it or not. Two or three maybe.
1: We got to go. Take the show on the road. We need to to get down there for sure. I'm ready. Ron Cook, one of the uh, Hall of Fame voters for baseball – has not voted for anyone on the ballot for 3 years in a row. And I'm just not sure why you even waste your time as a Hall of Fame voter if you're not going to vote for anyone. I also hate the fact that you are allowed to just not vote for anyone on a ballot. You have to in the the whole point of the have, having the election for the hall is putting I don't I don't know Hall of Famers in I don't know who's
2: I, I'm only interested in Hall of Fame ballot stuff when we talk to Hall of Fame ballot people because I feel like it's like the uh, the skull and crossbone society at Yale. Like it's also secretive of like in the room of what you're doing. I need to know more about process and what happens, but then you're forbidden to talk about process at times. I don't know who's on the ballot. So it's Barry Bonds, right, is one of the big things. So this is just some old baseball curmudgeon who says anyone who had any implication ever about anything scandalous, I'm not going to vote on them. And then they're saying that every other player, even if they didn't have a whiff of impropriety or steroids or anything else, they're not worthy of the Hall of Fame. So he's just made the Hall of Fame such a high standard, he's not going to vote on
1: anyone. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. you're He's right. He's saying
2: no one's worthy. It's not that you don't, you don't have but, to vote. Like the NFL, the pro football, you vote a top 15 and a top 10. And, you and a top off. five. Then you decide. Top five, get on in. On the five. They don't have to put anyone in.
1: I, yeah, but, they, but based on his, even his criteria, it's, well, the, the guys who are from the steroid era are not worthy of the hall. Well, that would bolster those who were not cheating to get in based on their numbers and competition against those who were. And you're still not voting for those dudes. It's just odd. There's just no way around giving these voters way
2: too much power. There's no way around. There's no other way to have a Hall of Fame. Unless you had just the god of each Hall of Fame that was one person that selected it. Then that's an even bigger problem. So there's going to be some committee of writers that are going to vote on it. Hall of Fames are important. There should be some that are no-brainers for it, but... I just hate that we, the Hall of Fame voter is this cherished, honored thing, and yet they don't all treat it that way. So then I just, I I don't, I'm uncomfortable making them a big deal. Like this guy right, I don't even, I don't know who Ron Cook is, don't care. I would love to take his name off the banner of our show right now because (laughs) I don't want to give credit. Thank you very much. Great job. I don't want to give credit to Ron Cook. Let's talk about those players up under consideration for the Hall of Fame. I don't like it when the voter becomes the story. Well, you know, we had them... this earlier this year with the dude that covers Notre Dame that out of spite because a Tennessee fan said something mean to him kept voting Tennessee 12 spots lower than everyone else, right? And, and the, did that in the final and thing And the South too.
1: Carolina guy. You
2: should not be allowed to do that. that that's just – I hate even –
1: I don't know the guy's name don't want to mentioning their name for that reason well sir here are some of the candidates on the ballot for 2023 and he turned it in blank bobby abreu bronson arroyo uh, carlos beltran r.a dickey jacoby ellsbury i'm running through a handful yeah, none of those guys of immediately Helton, are hall of
2: fame worthy to me Todd andrew Hilton jones
1: tory hunter uh jeff kent Andy Pettit, which he's not voting for, right? Um, uh-huh. Scott Rowland, Jimmy Rollins, Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield uh, I'd put on that Jason list. Jason Wirth, John Lackey, um, yeah, Manny Ramirez, Al- and A-Rod.
2: I mean, someone should be on that
1: list. Yes. On, on that one. Now, the first like eight
2: you reeled off, I'd say, okay, I see his point. Then when you get into Sheffield and Todd Helton. I start going through Manny Ramirez, and, I'm thinking. Yeah, I should have jumped around. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, whatever. Coming
1: up, Clay Travis. Please.
2: Clay Travis will not give us a whatever stuff.
1: He's better than we, Ron Cook. We talk Georgia's dominance and DeMar Hamlin uh, being released from the Buffalo Hospital. He's headed home. And the college football national championship needs to be on a Saturday, right? I think he'll agree. He better. Clay's next on Outkick 360. Clay Travis joins us on Outkick 360 across the Outkick network each week at this time. Clay, hope things are well. And um, man, what a beatdown and dominance by the Georgia Bulldogs! How are you?
0: I'm great. Uh, probably not as good as Kirby Smart <laughs> or Stetson Bennett or uh, Georgia Bulldog fans around the uh, around the nation, around the world. Uh, that was one of the most dominant championship sporting events. Uh, games maybe that I've ever seen I don't know that you can top that in terms of winning by 58 and just the utter obliteration uh that Georgia rained down in all facets of the game uh on TCU uh such that a huge percentage of the overall population just decided hey uh, I saw Withrow's tweet I'm gonna watch something else now I didn't uh because I had the over in the game uh, and I wanted to make (laughs) sure that I Oh, it did you easily. You guys
2: are gluttons for punishment to yeah, watch Fair that. enough. I, yeah. I did not want to sit through uh, – I mean, I don't think Kirk uh, Cur- Street and no, Chris Fowler uh, Clark, wanted no. to sit through uh, – ESPN was, uh, didn't either. It was a 90-minute coronation of all things Bulldog and Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett. I'm like, yeah, I, I can
1: – There's plenty of streaming services I can go to right now. I'm not going to sit through this. What was the best show, Withrow, that you heard that people were watching instead of the game?
2: A big one was um, uh, Dan Dockich and uh, Aaron Piran uh, responded to me, and they're watching this Bernie Madoff documentary, and it inspired me so much, Clay, I started watching it on Netflix. Pretty interesting. Uh, Bernie Madoff was an an (laughs) interesting
0: guy. I haven't watched that, but I watched um – I finished uh White Lotus uh oh, season so 1 good. and season 2. So good. Yeah, it's really good. It's dark, uh, a <laughs> lot of great humor. Um it's not, you know, my favorite show I think with you probably know better than I do. I think Succession comes back in like March. Am I right about that?
2: Yeah, it's I think it's a spring release. Really, that that's that's my most anticipated show of this year coming back. I'm I'm yeah, with you. It's my, my it's my favorite, favorite show
0: yeah, that's my favorite show on air right now in in terms of still airing. But I'm caught up on Yellowstone. Uh, I watched White Lotus season one and season two, and you know, as soon as the NFL playoffs are over uh, and the Super Bowl is over, we kind of hit a little bit of a a little bit of a wall. And so uh, I've been hearing that Peaky Blinders is mm. absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've never watched it. It's very so I'm good. And that might be Clay, uh, the I'm next glad, one that I... Uh, I'm that glad
2: I you brought up Peaky Blinders because Stephen Knight, who's the writer and showrunner for Peaky Blinders, there's another... I, before you go to Peaky Blinders even, because this would be a lot quicker to finish, uh, there's a show that's on Epics. And if you have cable, you can just download the Epics app and watch it. Um, It was originally on the BBC, but it's Stephen Knight, creator of Peaky Blinders, and it's a show called Rogue Heroes. You're a history buff like me, and it's uh, the true story of the SAS, the British SAS in World War II in North Africa, but it's told in a very dramatized, entertaining way with these crazy characters jumping out of planes and fighting Nazis. You'll love it. I'm two episodes in. It's great. I would
0: like to watch that. I'm also. I've never watched. Uh, what is the World War II epic? Uh, I've read the books, um, Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. I haven't yeah. ever watched. I haven't ever watched that. I've heard it's incredible. Now I've read those books because I was on a big World War II uh, history kick in the past few years. So that's the other one that uh, a lot of people are telling me that uh, that I should check out. So. Uh, I'll, I, you know, the history uh, connection. Obviously, I'm a history nerd, so uh, so that has a lot of appeal to me.
2: I don't know. We'd go in this direction, but yeah, Band of Brothers, The Pacific, is the other side of that, yep. and that's on HBO. And coming this summer, Austin Butler, who just won the Golden Globe last night for Best Actor, playing Elvis Presley in the movie okay. Elvis. Yeah, he is starring in Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg's next iteration of this World War II drama, and I think it's I. I, I I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's the Air Force side of it. So it was Army oh, cool. and, and Band of Brothers, Marines in the Pacific, and this is an Air Force story where he's a pilot, and it's a miniseries basically about World on, War II, on this, and on it's the, the American Air Force. Planes
1: and you know, Top Gun. And it's, then, what's it's really the other good. one what's we the got other a lot of suggestions out? coming out. The other Top Gun-like movie that's coming out? We talked about it yesterday. Devotion, Devotion. is the name yeah. of it. It's, you can watch it right now, I think, on, on oh, Paramount+. Okay. Plus, It's out. Clay, where does the story of Stetson Bennett rank for you among classic college
0: football headlines? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of what his dream um, was to grow up and play football for Georgia. And so for a lot of college football fans, you dream more about growing up and playing for your favorite college football team than you do growing up and and actually going to the NFL, and so uh, to me it's the culmination of what so many people out there you know spent so much time in their uh, in their youth playing in the backyard, playing you know little uh, pee wee football, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's as compelling of a story, and I think if you combine it with Kirby Smart, and maybe somebody can come up with a combo like this. But to have a Georgia grad in Kirby Smart win two national championships for his school with a quarterback in Stetson Bennett who grew up a fan of the school that he was playing for, walked on. I don't know that that's ever been done before. Um, and for people out there, I mean, I'd, I'd be curious if somebody can think of another example. Certainly, it hasn't happened in the modern era where you know you grow up a fan of a team. You go there, win two national championships, and play for a coach who also wins national championships who previously was a player at that school. Uh, That's unheard of. Um, And so uh, I, I think it's kind of the Hollywood storybook ending in a way that may not have ever existed in sports before. I think I'm correct that Kirby Smart is the first graduate of the school that he has won multiple national championships at since Bear Bryant. So, uh, that, that's a pretty incredible story standing alone because there aren't even that many alums who end up the head coach of their schools to say nothing of winning multiple national titles. there.
2: Masters of the air is the name of the series. Oh, I was thinking about, about the air force and it's not on HBO It's purchased by Apple, Apple TV. So it'll be on Apple this summer. So Clay, um, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Speaking of Alabama, Nick Saban is on the ESPN coverage of this game for hours. He's good on TV. I understand the appeal to bring on Nick Saban when you can. But what do you think about Nick Saban being allowed as Alabama's head coach to basically have a six-hour infomercial of Alabama football on everyone's televisions on the biggest night of TV viewing in college football for the year?
0: I mean, I don't begrudge him for taking the opportunity. Of course um, not. No, and, I don't
2: begrudge him at all. Uh,
0: yeah, so uh, I, I mean, I think they wouldn't do it at ESPN unless they thought he was really good, right? They're not giving him a gift. They believe he's really good at television. I've talked with Kirk Herbstreit. I think Kirk Herbstreit has said this publicly. Um, and he thinks of all the coaches that they have on, Saban is the guy who translates most naturally to television if he ever decided to do it. Uh, now, you know, how old is Saban now? 70, I think. So the older he gets, I think maybe the more challenging that becomes to do, um, for a long time, but urban is really good at television. I, I think way better than anybody expected to be a television. Um, you know, in terms of like the pre and post game scenarios, Jimmy Johnson obviously has been incredible at it for, uh, for some period of time. Now, I think Sean McVay, if he eventually does it, could be John Madden like in uh, in his ability, uh, but uh, but I think it's you know a, a value add for sure to uh, to ESPN's coverage, and you know I think Saban's better. I mean, who else would you put in there? I mean, Fox has got Urban, so Urban's off the table. Uh, Dabo, I just don't think is that great on television, and I don't think he has that much interest in it. Otherwise, like who else is out there that's good enough? Well, it's not um, like, it, in it's, terms of playing in championships.
2: I have a split mind on this, Clay, because I'm looking at it from the programmer standpoint. ESPN would be dumb not to ask Nick Saban to be on there. He's great on television. He's famous. He's a name everyone knows. But my split mind is saying ESPN also has big-time relationships with other conferences, not as much as the SEC, but, hey, there's 14 teams in the SEC, and there's a lot at stake with all of that, and I'm just having a big problem if I'm any of the other teams that want to get my message out there, too, and want to have a shot on television, if it's only Nick Saban that dominates the set over a long pregame show, halftime, everything else. So it's just the difficult dance of being in bed financially with conferences and and, and leagues and everything else, and then how you do that in a sport where you know, it's not the NFL. There's not a draft you know, there's not free yeah. agency. Like, it, it's recruiting. So the more you're yeah, on I television, it, the bigger three, thing you have. It's a bigger only, advantage.
0: There's only three coaches that have ever won multiple national championships uh, that are still in any way connected to college football, right? Urban is x out because he's at Fox. Uh, this is before Kirby won his second. Dabo probably said no. Uh, I would bet they offered Dabo the opportunity to be on. He's probably like, I don't want to do six hours of, you know, pregame. So then you got Saban. It's just a short roster of guys that have even coached in a national championship game. So when you're having somebody on to talk national championships, I wouldn't want him. I thought you were going to ask me the moment that went viral for Nick Saban. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and first of all, not that many people actually watch the pre and post game shows, right? Like you know, let's say 17.7 million, I think, is the number that watched the game itself. Well, I, uh, Clay, I'll know, tell you Accom this show, more more yeah. people
2: watch the pregame, the final 30 minutes of pregame looking at the ratings, than the final 30 minutes of the game. They were at 16 well, million there and it went down to 8 million by the end of the game uh, because of such a blowout.
0: I mean, I, I'm on a pregame show, so I want the pregame show viewership to be as high as possible. Most people turn on the game when it starts. Uh, and. Um, you know, obviously that can filter off if the game's not very competitive and if the gambling odds are not in the mix. Uh, but to me, the most viral moment by far was actually David Pollock saying, hey, Georgia dominates while sitting right next to Nick Saban. Um, and I just I don't buy into the idea. Nick Saban's had like the number one recruiting class in the nation for basically 15 years in a row. I, I don't think that it actually uh, is going to change anybody's mind that he's on uh, the pregame show in terms of going to Alabama. You're going to go to Alabama if you can pretty much. Um, and one, uh, like Mike Leach used to always tell me, like there's two programs. There's the, the ones that recruit and there's the ones that invite. Um, and Alabama is an invite program. Um, and, uh, and I mean, look, I, I don't think you can begrudge your kid's choice to go to Alabama Uh, Based on that long legacy and history of of putting people in the first round of the NFL draft, which ultimately is the reason why people are picking uh, Alabama in addition to the winning.
2: Here's though where I think that Georgia and Kirby Smart have have a huge advantage. Uh, And I've read pieces on this also. From a geographic standpoint, it may be the best job in America. Uh, Just within a 50-mile radius of players. Even better than Alabama. And... Kirby Smart has the added bonus. Nick Saban's not going anywhere. He's not going to leave Alabama. But Kirby Smart has the added bonus of being an alum, as you mentioned, Clay. He's got Will Muschamp as an alum, as his defensive coordinator, who I don't think is headed anywhere anytime soon. Mm -hmm. He's got a 62-year-old offensive coordinator. I know Dan Lanning left last year for Oregon. That's not a staff that's getting regularly rated like Alabama's. They have a continuity and consistency with that program and a football throws reach to some of the best players in America every single year that I look at them and think, this is not ending. And, Clay, when you look at that schedule next year, that is the weakest SEC schedule and non-conference schedule I've seen. The layup. They are a 17-plus point favorite possibly in every game, maybe outside of in Knoxville uh, in November when they play that game on the road. This thing is set up to be quite the dynasty – I think they've got. I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm predicting them right now. They're going to win a third straight national championship next year.
0: Yeah. I mean, what I would say a couple of things. Um, one, they had Oklahoma on that schedule, and the SEC made them take it off. So, uh, because Oklahoma and Texas are coming into the conference. So, when people look at the out of conference, um, you know, they have their SEC schedule. And then they have Georgia tech every year, uh, which is traditionally a rivalry game. And then they had Oklahoma. So they had 10 FBS power five teams on that schedule and they made them take Oklahoma off. Um, Second part of this, I, I several years ago played uh, a charity golf event. Kirby smart. And I were in the same cart together for five or six hours. So I spent a lot of time talking with him. I like him. He's a very likable guy. I, I, you know, Uh, I've got to meet his wife a bunch of times. I think she's awesome. She's a former athlete at Georgia as well. I think that factors in they're raising their kids in Athens. Um, uh, it's a really good family. So it doesn't surprise me that he recruits well and that, uh, that there are a lot of people out there who have kids, uh, because the first thing you think about is, you know, you're sending your boy, your 17 or 18 year old kid, away and you want there to be a family environment. And I think Kirby comes off very well in the same way Nick Saban does in those in-home meetings. And I think Athens is obviously a fabulous place. Uh, we would have a kid because, you know, you may look around and say, well, it's not a city. So you may feel safer with your kid in Athens, but you're not far away from Atlanta. Uh, so you can get in and out of Atlanta quite easily. Okay. Um, I would say Georgia basketball Has the same advantages as Georgia football, and they've never been able to, you know, sort of unlock that key. So I think Kirby Smart deserves a lot of credit. What I would say is 47 year old Kirby Smart, I think it's way easier to get burned out coaching college football now than it is coaching the NFL. And I wonder on some level, just based on the five or six hours that I spent with him in a golf cart, uh, I was talking with uh, a buddy of mine recently. The amount of incessant recruiting that you have to do, which is added to even more in an NIL era, uh, is off the charts, even for somebody like Kirby smart. And you spend huge parts of your day texting 16 year old boys to try to convince them to come to your school. I had a funny conversation with a buddy who's a coach. Uh, I was out to dinner recently And I said, like, how many teenage boys' phone numbers do you have right now in your phone? And he was like, 100. (laughs) And I was just laughing about it. There's no other profession in America where you could be a grown man and have 100 teenage boys' phone numbers and be texting them all the time where you wouldn't be like, yeah, that dude's got you, something shady going on. You up? Uh, and so if you think about having to text 16-year-old boys, LOL, memes, like all the ridiculous stuff that you have to do to recruit them, I actually think the NFL, because they have a set calendar, is actually way better of a job. And so I understand the uh, the argument of, you know, he's coaching at his alma mater. He's 47 years old. I think he could burn out because I think it's way harder and way more all-encompassing when you consider NIL now getting rolled in. You're constantly recruiting. The transfer portal is always open. You've got guys who decide to go into the transfer portal because they're not getting the money that they want. I mean, look at what's going on with Florida right now. Uh, with uh, was it Jaden Rashada? Yep. I think I've got his name yep. right there. Uh, he initially committed to Miami, didn't like that NIL, goes to Florida, now is decommitting from Florida, evidently, according to the most recent updates, because of NIL related concerns. You can never rest. And then you add on that to every time the phone rings at 2 a.m. and one of your kids on your team is getting in trouble for something, you get blamed for it in a way that doesn't happen in the NFL. And you know, you don't have to recruit anybody in the NFL. You got to break down tape. You got to figure out, you know, who to draft. But there's a very set calendar. And you can have a life, I think, in the NFL in a way that you can't in college. And so nobody's really talking about this. But I think the NIL, the transfer portal, all of those aspects of college, it used to be like the reason why Nick Saban left the Miami Dolphins and went back to my uh, to Alabama was because he wanted to have complete control of his program and in the NFL you have to worry because a player might have a 30 or 40 million dollar contract and they might not listen to you like a college kid would well now all of a sudden the management aspect of being a college coach is maybe as intense maybe even more intense than the NFL and so I think there's going to be a lot of burnouts happening in college football in a way that we haven't gotten used to in the past. And I would just put that on the radar as one of the consequences of zero restriction, basically transferring and, uh, and NIL every year. Now, you used to be able on signing day in February, to take a big breath and think, okay, The team is in. We got all those signatures. We can work going forward, but let's take a little bit of a breather now. I don't know that there's an off-season in college football now. There definitely is one in the NFL. I would just put that on the horizon as something that has to be paid attention to.
2: Clay, Kentucky loses last night as an 18.5-point favorite to a team that now is ranked 224th in the net ranking. That's after beating Kentucky on the road. You and I have a a close mutual friend who's a Kentucky grad. We know as well as anyone that there's no meltdown quite like a Kentucky fan meltdown (laughs) during basketball season when this happens. Uh, What is that experience like when you get online and you start to look at a meltdown like this from Kentucky basketball, which quite frankly is kind of unexplainable this year because... They've got Oscar Shibwe. They've got severe. They've got veteran guys on this team. This is not a completely new young team yet. Here's Kentucky one and three in the sec.
0: Yeah. Look, I mean, I thought the most fascinating part about that game and I put it on with, you know, six or seven minutes last night remaining in the game to watch, uh, when I saw what the score was and I, by the way, I don't know how many people do that. Like, uh, you know, you go into your score app and say, okay, is this game competitive? And if it is, you might put it on in a way I wasn't yes. planning on watching. All the time I, I do that. Would be,
1: yeah. All the time, especially yeah. for basketball. I, yeah. I, I thought Kentucky would beat
0: uh, South Carolina pretty comfortably. I looked down and saw South Carolina was up four or five with six minutes to go. And I put it on. Um, I thought the sign, please go to Texas. <laughs> they kicked somebody out in Rupp arena for having the, please go to Texas sign. And, What is interesting is I would analogize the way that Kentucky is committed to John Calipari right now is to me somewhat similar to the way the Denver Broncos are committed to Russell Wilson and uh, the Cleveland Browns are committed to Deshaun Watson, by which I mean, you're basically married to them. And so Kentucky has given so much guaranteed money to John Calipari that they basically can't afford to fire him. In a similar way, the Broncos and the uh, and the Browns cannot afford to move on from uh, from either Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. So you've got a form of golden handcuffs here. And what seems to be the case is Kentucky fans are clearly hoping at this point that John Calipari will leave and go to Texas. My question is, and obviously because Texas basketball has has fired Chris Beard over a domestic violence allegation. My question is, does Texas want John Calipari? And if they do, what does that do to Kentucky basketball? Because you'll remember when Calipari went from Memphis to Kentucky, he took John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and all those high-end recruits that were otherwise going to go to Memphis. Well, John Calipari, the best thing you can say for him right now is he has an incredibly elite uh, class that he's put together for next year. So, Would he leave? Would those recruits follow him? If he doesn't, can he get the ship righted, so to speak, in Kentucky? It's turned uh, pretty nasty for him. And it actually reminds me a little bit of the way the Tubby Smith era went uh, down the stretch before uh, Kentucky moved on from Tubby. If you remember, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I think Tubby Smith just decided to go to Minnesota and took another job. And that was their kind of exit ramp for Tubby. They didn't fire him. Um, I don't know that happens with John Calipari, but I wonder how many, you know, fungible and or somewhat comparable big jobs would even take John Calipari right now. Uh, I I think Kentucky's in a tough spot. Clay, final
1: minute and a half here. Give me your Super Bowl matchup and why based on, the, the, the way some of these teams are going into the playoffs and the way that
0: others are limping in? Before the season, uh, my Super Bowl matchup was uh, the Bills against the Cowboys. Um, I'll stick with the Bills in the AFC. I don't think that the Cowboys are going to come out of the NFC. I, I think the best team, team is the 49ers. Uh, I'm not sure how Brock Purdy is going to hold up as the quarterback for uh, for the 49ers, but in terms of the overall talent everywhere but quarterback, I like the 49ers. So if I were given a mulligan in the NFC, I think I would take the 49ers now uh, as my favorite to advance from the NFC, um, and uh, and I would stick with the Bills even though they're now the two seed, um, and we still have to determine. I think I don't think it's been announced yet where a Chiefs Bills right. game would be played. I think we'll get a rematch of that divisional game that was so epic last year between those two. And a crazy stat that I don't think gets talked about enough is that would be the first playoff game in Patrick Mahomes' career that he didn't play at home, Um, which is pretty remarkable uh, given uh, given his (laughs) career so far. He's never played, uh, other than the Super Bowl, obviously, which is always neutral. He's never played an AFC playoff game anywhere other than uh, Arrowhead Stadium. Still crazy too that
1: Tyreek Hill's traded away and Patrick Mahomes passes for five thousand yards, uh, joining Drew Brees and Peyton Manning as the only three quarterbacks to do it twice in a career. And he did it without Tyreek Hill, which is just phenomenal. He's the MVP.
0: Yeah, he's incredible. Um and so I think we'll get a Bills uh Chiefs AFC championship game and I and I would pick the Bills to uh, to find a way through that. And then uh and, you know, obviously the Bengals are playing really well too. I think whoever wins the AFC is going to win yeah. uh the uh the Super Bowl. Uh but I would take the Bills as my AFC uh participant.
2: Clay, enjoy it, man. The slopes or Key West or wherever you are right now, whatever exotic yeah. locale. Hope you're having fun.
0: I'm back home in Nashville for a little nice. while now. So uh so back home. Yeah. Welcome
1: so. home. Good
0: luck it's on the next while. trip.
2: It's been Good a while. <laughs> wherever <Yeah>. it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See you, Clay. See you, Clay. Thanks for joining us, man. Clay, Clay Travis joins us each uh, week at this time. Probably in Wednesdays. Thailand in two weeks. Yeah, he's headed to That's a villa. The villa in Italy next. Yes. Uh, coming up, put a wrap of the show, look ahead to the sports evening, and hit some headlines as some other injury reports are beginning to pop up. Also, a report that Jaden Rashada, directly from his
2: father, has not filed to get out of Florida's national letter of intent. Which is okay. going against the report from on three. This from the director of recruiting for 24-7 sports.
1: Okay. Interesting right. tie-in. <laughs> uh, we'll look the details up on this during yeah. the break and come back with that on on Outkick 360. Wrapping up what's been a fun show, Outkick 360, across the Outkick Network. Uh, Chad, it's not been fun in Lexington. We've been discussing that throughout the show, and uh, fans and Kentucky Sports Radio, and, well, they're displeased. Uh, So
2: displeased that this was a call into Kentucky Sports Radio (laughs) last night after the loss to South Carolina.
0: TJ, what's up? Hey, Matt. Uh, You know, I've been a fan for over 30 years, and obviously, outside of the important things in life, you know, God, family, country, <laughs> Kentucky basketball is all I got. And I'm not the only one who feels that way. And in the past couple of years, our, our native Kentuckians have gone through hell and back with tornadoes and floods and deaths and COVID. And, and now we have to go through this?
1: Hey. Losing to South Carolina. Tornadoes, death.
2: Tornadoes, floods, death, COVID. Kentucky hoops losing to South Carolina at Rupp Arena. All
1: equal in the eyes of, of that caller. I've long said, Chad, the, the best calls are the great callers or the awful callers, not the, yeah. not the middle ground. It can't be in between.
2: Right? Either you've got a really good thought and a really that good was, question.
1: That was perfect.
2: Or it's a really bad caller. There's no in-between when it comes to callers being good or bad. Hey, quick update. Brandon Huffman, who's the director of recruiting – for 24-7 Sports is reporting now tweeting per Harlan Rashada who is the father of Jaden Rashada to 24-7 Sports quote Jaden has not filed a request
1: for a release from Florida that's the latest on the Jaden Rashada story so Strickland had the phone call did they make things right on the money like that based on that versus on three could be semantics too maybe you don't have to yeah, ask for the so. release maybe they're just releasing them yeah Fair enough. We're back at it tomorrow. Maybe we'll have some clarity there. and We'll talk college and NFL here on Outkick 360.